salvation so rich and free. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Who are we talking about? Jesus. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. That's talking about Jesus. The one that resurrected from the grave, the one that was crucified on a cross, the one that was uh, 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 literally born to die for a world that would just turn them down. That's the baby Jesus that's in the manger, amen. That's why we got a big nativity out there that pointing to uh, what Christmas is all about. That's why we have a nativity. It's what a wonderful witnessing tool it is. And the Lord just might allow it to get a foot of snow one year on the nativity, and that's all right. We'll let the animals stay out here, and we'll all come in here. That'll be just fine. But his name is Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, Deliverer, King of Kings, the Alpha and Omega. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. His name is Jesus Christ. No person has ever affected all of mankind like this. His name is Jesus. Brother Shannon, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? Well, the last couple of Wednesdays have been a little different. We've been praying for our nativity. And this, yeah, amen to that. We need it. And uh, this message is a little different from the normal. Uh, uh, but I assure you, from beginning to end, this message points to Jesus, the Savior of all mankind, 100% of the time. There's a lot of grace that's given to songs that aren't given to preaching. Or, or anywhere else for that matter. It, it just isn't. Um, um, don't even think about giving bad doctrine behind the pulpit. Don't teach bad theology in our Sunday school classes. That's important. <laughs> I mean, we hold that to a high standard. But when it comes to music, we give it a lot, a lot of slack. We, just, we do. We, we just do. Uh, pastors will allow music that, that, that would surprise you in their church. You think, well, you don't really believe with, the, with those musicians and those singers, the life that they live, but yet we allow them in the churches to sing. Uh, Christians allow music in their home that they would never, ever allow in person. Oftentimes because we don't know what, what it's like live when they sing, right? Um, Christian will listen to groups all day long in their car that they would never see in person or allow inside of a church. I know from experience. Um, 
that we had a, a, a family, that, that, a great family. I think they still go to Silverly, Silvery Lane, the Moors. He's a postman. And uh, years ago, they were given tickets to go see a Christmas concert. And it was a big-name Christmas group. And they're like, yeah, the free tickets, let's go. And they went, and they were so disturbed by it. They were so turned off by it. They said they couldn't even stay for two or three songs. And it was the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. When you hear that name, we're like, man, awesome. They got that awesome song. They got a couple of songs that are wonderful, that we love, that we listen to. And that's the way it is. I listen to it. I love it. But in person, they said, and I'm just going over, they said the music was blurring. The light, it was a light show going crazy. There's a guy with an electric guitar with like long hair going up and down like this and just going nuts. And they were so turned off by that. We hear the end result of the music and we listen to a couple of the specials that, that we would consider that, you know, general public likes. But they said that was the tame version of what everything else they do does. That's just an example. Uh, if me and the boys were to get up here with our instruments, it's hard to do with a banjo. <laughs> but if we were to get up here with our instruments, turn the lights down darker than this. This is darker than normal, but I, I like it sometimes. And, and, and we get lights blurred. And we get a smoke machine out. And then we throw out neon little glow-in-the-dark things everywhere and glow-in-the-dark all this and that. And, and then we start singing about Jesus. That would be pretty shallow and inappropriate, wouldn't it? Right? I'm coming in off the harsh level. Give me a minute. But the fact is, Christian groups do this all the time. All the time. And Christians across the, Amer across the world will buy up their CDs all day long because, well, it sounds good. I like that one song. I'll buy the whole CD. Not realizing this is what they really are. There's a lot of slack in music that you wouldn't normally give in a message. Um, and, and let, me, let me point this out. What is a song? I mean, at, at its very root, what is a song? The song is the expression of the heart. What we listen to is an expression of the heart. By and large, at its root, where the rubber meets the road, it's an expression of how we really truly feel. It's just what it, and, 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 and you can see it with your children, uh, a parent to your children. Um, you can see it um, with, with others, whether it's family members or not. But like the further you get in your walk with Christ, the less you want to listen to gospel, and the more you want to listen to anything else that's just not gospel. It doesn't have to be like necessarily bad music. It just you're going to be listening to less gospel, which of course is a slippery slope into anything else, right? Right. But when you're preparing a message and you're getting ready to preach or teach a Sunday school class, which which most of us, or I think all of us, have done. No, you get your ducks in a row with what you're teaching. Because we don't want to teach anything that's not doctrinal, right? I mean, like, it, preaching is different than singing. It just really is. Music doesn't play. Songs don't play. You have to follow the same rules. Um, that's why 
I, I believe one of the reasons Gary Duty is so popular in Bible-believing circles because his songs are so doctrinal. I mean, they were doctrinal songs. It's like, it's like, it's like you're listening to the Bible. You, you really are. And I, and I love that. Um, um, Away in a Manger. I, I love the song. Don't get me wrong. You guys are going to hate me in a second. But, but I love the song. But it's not necessarily biblical all the way through. Uh, there, there's a line that says, no crying he makes. Well, the Bible never said he didn't cry. To the contrary, he was 100% man, he was 100% God, God in the flesh. That means he was a little baby. What do little babies do? They cry. And probably, Jesus kept Mary and Joseph up all night long, some nights. Probably, right, right, right? It doesn't make the song bad. It's just not necessarily a biblical thing. It's different than a message. I feel bad even saying that. <laughs> the Bible never said it was a silent night either. But it just sounds good in a song. I love Silent Night, and, and I'll, we'll continue to sing it. It's a worship song. The song is worshiping the Lord, but, you know, it's just a nice poetry that it was a silent night. Um, Mary did know exactly. It doesn't take away from the song, because the song is talking about the thought, like, Man, like, like, man, Mary, did you know? Did, wow, you know. Doesn't make the song bad, but there's a lot of grace given to songs. Tonight I want to take a look at one song. It's probably my favorite Christmas song of all time, probably. Until I listen to something else, I say, man, that's my favorite. But, but Oh Holy Night, I just love. I love that song. And tonight, for the next few moments, I want to go through that song. A Holy Night premiered in France in 1847. It was written by a, a request, probably somebody in the church, but whatever church he was going to, they got a, a new organ. They renovated a new organ, which was popular for years. Not so popular nowadays. Amen. I think I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get, to get a banjo in every church across America. Personal preference, right? Uh... That's biblical. I wrote it in my Bible. <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> Tony will amen that. But, 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 but somebody asked this man, uh, this Frenchman, uh, who was known as, he was also a poet, um, would, you write a, would you write a poem for, to commemorate the, the renovation of our new organ? which was probably a major deal, right? There's probably some beautiful-sounding organ. And, and as much as the general populace doesn't like organs, and I don't as a whole, I will say this. I have heard some amazing organ players on some beautiful organs. I would say it's, it's the exception, not the rule, but it's out there. It really is. Um, but the man's name was, and I'll ruin this, uh, Placide Capel. And it was originally not called O Holy Night, it was called Onique de Yuol, meaning simply Song of Christmas. And like the birth of many songs, right, it was a poem, right? And, and a man by the name of Adolphe Adam is the one who put it to music. Four years later. So it was written in 1843. It was composed in 1847. 
Almost a decade after that, it was translated into English. And then all of a sudden, that's where we get, oh, holy night. And that's where we get the words that we know. His name was John Sullivan Dwight, translated into English. Here we go. The first line is this. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Was Jesus born at nighttime? Maybe. We don't, scripture doesn't tell us. But that's okay. Because it is the thought here that is being presented in worship, not the exact text of scripture. Just like Mary did you know. Just like away in a manger. And it's not exactly biblical things, but it's worshipful. Amen. Um, so the first, the first couple of lines, it sets the stage for the rest of the song. And then the next line says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Matthew 22, 29 says, Jesus answered and said to them, Ye do what? Err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. 1 John 4, 6 says, We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Unless you're saved and born again, you will not understand the Word of God. So we have a Holy Spirit indwelling within us once we become born again, which is the only way to get to heaven. And with that Holy Spirit indwelling, now we can understand the Scriptures. God still wants us to study. You know, we do, you know we're not able to, you know, we can't just turn to Revelation and go like this. And prophecy falls out and we understand the whole book. No. God's smarter than you know what would happen if that if that were the case. And some people do this with their favorite uh, 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 prophet, preacher, or theologian. They'll just do whatever he says and they don't study, right? So, but but what's God wants instead of doing that, where we would just take it for granted and not really learn it or study it, or we would get bad doctrine because we do whatever so and so says, God wants us to learn it and study it for ourselves. Now the Holy Spirit can speak to us directly. Um, it says long lay the world in sin and error pining pining means languishing or wasting away that is beautiful poetry that is lost on uh, my generation that does not have much vocabulary let's just be honest we don't have much vocabulary because just the way things are it's so easy I, we, we can go to, to any drive through and just hold up a finger and that's what we're getting, right? Our vocabulary is awful. Um, Rachel reminds me of this just in her words all the time. Uh, we're getting ready for Saturday or Sunday. We're talking about the KFC gravy, which is awesome, and the mashed potatoes. We're talking about that, and, and she said, I'm going to butcher the way it's used, but Rachel said something about, it'll give them something, Nashon, blah, 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 blah. Did I say it right, Rachel? And I said, pardon me? Did she just say nosh? And she's like, yeah. And it's actually a word, and she used it properly. Why? Because she's a lot smarter than I am. I will take the route easy, that's, that's, that's easily laid before me, and I will just hold up a finger in the drive-thru. My vocabulary is way lower than it is to Miss Rachel's. But in years gone by, boy... Like in 1611, for instance, uh, uh, 
Uh, in fact, it's been said, and I don't know if it's true, if it's an opinion or if it's more facts, but I, I've heard it said that it was in the early 16, 1600s that the English language was at its peak for being beautiful and poetry and the depth of words. It's a good thought. Amen. It's, amen. Where was I? I'm getting off here. Um, so the song starts off with the acknowledgement of a Savior born, which is wonderful. We can end it right there, and it would be beautiful. And then it goes right into a world full of sin and desperation, which is absolutely pointing to a Savior. Why do we need a Savior? Because we're all sinners. Amen. Amen. Then it says this, says, Till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. Amen. Some might say, well, that's not biblical. It is. It absolutely is. I'll say this. I got to say it carefully. I wrote it down. I don't want to say this wrong. Just because we are unworthy does not mean that we are worthless. We are literally made from the dust of the ground, and that is not really worth much at all. We're just not. But I'm so thankful that value is in the eye of the beholder. Boy, the day that I got born again, all of a sudden I put on his righteousness. My own righteousness is what? Filthy rags. It's really, it's really nothing. It's, it's really like, like awful. Do a study on filthy rags, you might be surprised. God decided that it was worth it. To send his only son to die for us. And through him and nobody else, doesn't matter what your mama says, what your daddy says, it doesn't matter. But through him, our value went up exponentially. And it wasn't until we were born again, but long before the world was ever created, God sat down and thought, is it worth it? And here's, want to talk about something that'll, that'll just blow your mind and try to think about it? Why did God even create us to know that he had to go through that? He decided that we were worth it. I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of sinful thoughts that go through this head every single day. I've done a lot of things in my lifetime that I'm not proud of. Because I'm a sinner, and you're a sinner, and everyone in here is a sinner, because we are just so imperfect. But man, the day I got saved, I wasn't even eight years old. I was, I was, it was... It was I think it was seven days before my eighth birthday. And man, there is nothing better in all the world than to be saved. And that is our whole goal with going to a flea market, telling others about Christ, having an activity to tell people, hey, that Savior, he's the one that saved me because he's a Savior and I accepted him. Amen. You don't have to turn there, but Luke, Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you, this is Jesus talking, intending to build a tower, sit it not down first and count off the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Jesus knew what he was doing. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, which, by the way, that line of itself, 
I was pondering today. There's so much depth in that one line. He's the author. He thought it up. He made it so. And finisher. Woo! Looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We could chew on that all day long, thinking about that, but we got to move on. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. God who so loved mankind purchased our soul at the greatest cost that could ever, ever be by allowing his son, Jesus Christ, to be made flesh and crucified among men. That is the reminder that when we see that manger scene, and when the, when, the, when the author, this Frenchman, wrote this poem, he had this in mind, and the soul felt its worth. Man. We're nothing without that baby in a manger. Sure. Nothing. That's some depth in language that, man, yeah. makes me want to just study. This song is not inspired scripture. It is not. But it does point to some great doctrinal truths. The very, the very birth of Christ is, is literally a, a manifestation of the worth that God has put upon our sinful souls. The next line says, uh, um, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I mean, the thought has continued, as in, wow, he really came. The, the Savior that we have long awaited for, he, he, he's here. He came to die for my sins. He's born literally to die. He really cares for me. There's what we call 400 silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's a long time. That's a long time. God wasn't speaking through, through uh, prophets or prophetesses. He, there, there was no new word from the Lord. 400 years. That's a long time. The children of Israel, 400 years in bondage. That's a long time in Egypt. God had a plan. And in in, in for those who believed in the God of Abraham and believed that that was the salvation that was come to mankind, whoo, the awe of it. And the soul felt its worth. <laughs> a thrill of hope and worry. Uh, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I mean, it, it lays the foundation for the course. It says, Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. I love the word of God. Just as I said earlier, God allows us to mature and grow just as much as we want to. And in just as much as we want to get deeper in the word of God, he'll allow us to dig as deep as we want to. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings 
of great joy which shall be to all people. By the way, this is the this is the the context is the two angels in the field. Amen. And he said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They knew exactly what he was talking about. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Boy, I mean, if you just put your imagination and how this was, what was, what it says an angel, let's see, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host. A thousand? Ten? Ten thousand? We, we don't know. How big were the angels that they saw? We don't know. We, we have no idea. The angel that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah was a lot taller than a man. We don't know what they saw. But it was magnificent. There's some songs that I was studying, this is part of a study I was doing, but there's some other songs that mention how the angels sing. No, the, the scripture doesn't say that. The angels didn't sing. Uh, they proclaimed. Can angels sing? Maybe, probably, I don't know. But, but here they didn't sing. They were proclaiming it. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, And then you say, So, so what, what are the... What are the angel voices that he's talking about in the song? I believe, I, I really believe this is the angel voices that he's talking about. Verse 14. And this is what the angel said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Just dwelling on that makes me want to praise the Lord. The chorus goes on. O night divine, O night uh, when Christ was born, O night, O holy night. O night divine. Um, turn to one more scripture and we'll close in just a moment. Uh, Philemon. Uh, for Phineas. <laughs> You're going to kill us, Miss Kathy. For any of you that don't know, this is the only Jamaican book in the Bible. Philemon. <laughs> I couldn't even look up and say it. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful, Brother John. It's awful. <laughs> but a fun fact about this song, me and me and Rachel, um, we 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 hosted a, a Christmas banquet at our church years ago. And by the way, Famous Dave's catered it, and it was awesome. I mean, there was leftover ribs, Rob. It was so good. We catered it, and we used the auditorium because it was too big, too much big. We almost had to do that this year. Amen. Maybe next year we'll be forced to come out here. That's fine. But we were in the auditorium kind of like this with round tables, and it was beautifully set up. And, and we had Jeff Rose. He, he was a singer in Stony Creek. We had him at a certain point, uh, uh, like hopefully Tony can later. But we had, we had Jeff Rose come up here and sing All Holy Night. And it was wonderful. People were actually crying. My mom was one of them, crying during the song how beautiful it was because the words are so in-depth and beautiful and it really points to Christ. I mean, you know, wow. Fun fact about that, though, and this is not quite as funny as my Jamaican joke, but he forgot the third verse and he made it up and people were still crying. Yeah. 
So, I, so it's one of the things I think about when I hear this song. I think about that time. I thought, wow, props to him. Props to him. Amen. I wish you were recording it because that would have been priceless. Priceless. Amen. There's several verses, but I just look at this verse and because we can't be much longer. <clears throat> one more point here. It was on to say, truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. It says, change shall he break for the slave is our brother. I think the author of this song must have known some Bible. because You can't just write words like this just haphazardly. No, there's some depth to this. Uh, yeah, at the beginning of the song, is it, is it is a setting night, you know, we look back at it that way. It may have been, it may not have been. We have no idea. But by and large, this song has great doctrinal truths in it. It's very biblically sound. In the book of Philemon, here's a letter from Paul literally writing about a slave named Onesimus. Telling God's people to receive him as a brother in Christ. Look at Philemon verse 10. It says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Jump to verse 16. Now as a servant, but above a servant. I believe that was his tone. But now as, as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. That's biblical. That's wonderful. That's exciting. Amen. The song goes on to say, And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. That's what we're doing every time we come and worship in his name. We're worshiping the same Jesus that the song is talking about. And the song is pointing literally to the word of God. Of course, as Christ is the Lord, then ever, ever praise we his power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. You know, when I study anything, when we study anything, it will forever mean more to you than it ever has. That's what it is. You understand it more than you ever did. Even if it's a little step or a big step. And we get all kinds of steps, right? I think mine's more of a ramp, a really low-grade ramp. <laughs> right? But the men will tell you, and I believe the church will tell us, we've been, we just, we're going through 1 Timothy. <clears throat> what, a chapter and a half in or so? And as a church... We're not going to be able to read the first chapter of Timothy ever for the rest of our lives without understanding it so much more. Not just from the men in our own studies, but from as a church, we're reading it through. Like, wow, we really got a little deeper with that chapter. And Lord Welland will say, well, in the first 10 chapters or whatever, I don't know how long we're going to do that. But I think it's a blessing. That's how it is with Scripture, but, but especially songs that point to Scripture. I think you'll never listen to it the same. Before we go to prayer request, Brother Tony, would you come and try to sing it for us? He's struggling with his voice, but I just thought it would be a blessing to hear it. Amen. He'll sing it, then we'll jump into prayer request.